0: Hello, and welcome to this week's sermon podcast from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Here we preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Whether you find the message to be uplifting or challenging, comforting or even unsettling, we hope it will help you grow in faith
1: and your relationship with God. Thank you for listening. To God be the glory. Our first reading is from the book of Jeremiah. Yes, that's correct. Great. What sorrow awaits the leaders of my people, the shepherds of my sheep, for they have destroyed and scattered the very ones they were expected to care for, says the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to these shepherds. Instead of caring for my flock and leading them to safety, you have deserted them and driven them to destruction. Now I will pour out judgment on you for the evil you have done to them, but I will gather together the remnant of my flock from the countries where I have driven them, and will bring them back to their own sheepfold, and they will be fruitful and increase in number. And then I will appoint responsible shepherds who will care for them, and they will never be afraid again. Not a single one will be lost or missing. I, the Lord, have spoken." For the time is coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line. He will be a king who rules with wisdom. He will do what is just and right throughout the land. And this will be his name. The Lord is our righteousness. In that day, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. Here ends the reading. The second reading is from the letter to the Colossians. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all this glorious power so that, excuse me, so that you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear Son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead he is first in everything for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ and through him God reconciled everything to himself he made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross here ends the reading please stand for the reading of the gospel
0: Our gospel lesson today is from the 23rd chapter of Luke So when they came to the place that is called the skull, they nailed him to the cross, and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. The soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched. The leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he really is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too, offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it. Save yourself. And us too while you're at it. The other criminal protested, Don't you fear God? Even when you've been sentenced to die. We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me. When you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Here ends our reading. Please be seated. I assume you've all heard that one before, right? It's a pretty big deal story and kind of our life and faith. The big story comes to this moment. It's very profound and it's very appropriate we read it on this big day christ the king sunday it's the end of this uh, church calendar year we begin next into advent awaiting christ's arrival and they want to end this day have this day end with this story because i think it exemplifies jesus's life and ministry on earth as he proclaimed this kingdom of god on christ the king sunday we should talk about this kingdom and what that means Jesus talks about the kingdom a bunch, like a bunch, a bunch. There's literally only one thing he talks about more than the kingdom. Anyone know? It's money. Yep. So first thing is what you should be kind of leery of. The other thing he talks about the most is like, this is what we're going for, people. So it's very important. We talk about it a lot, too, as a church. We talk about the kingdom. We mention it every time we say the prayer that Jesus taught us. Your kingdom come your will be done here as it will be in heaven we talk about your kingdom come and kingdom work when we talk about our service to our neighbors we say that's doing kingdom work we say we're living into the kingdom when we feed the hungry when we bind up the broken when we clothe the naked when we set the captive free we say kingdom a lot however On this Christ the King Sunday, I have to admit, the language of kingdom and king, it oftentimes feels very foreign to me. Not as much here in church settings talking about church things, but in the world, king and kingdom mean other things. They have other meanings that I don't know if we fully grasp because we don't really live in a society that has a king or a monarchy. I've heard people are watching that show, The Crown, anyone watching that as time gets closer to modern days people keep asking so what's the monarchy for like what is it you know because we just don't have that in our culture it doesn't sync with our social locations because we aren't familiar with practical realities of having a king like in our story today though they would have understood that we have Caesar seen as king we have Herod seen as king Jesus would have understood kingdom and king very clearly, as would the people who are listening to him teach. I don't think we're far off, though. I think our perspective on kingdom isn't too bad. Um, I talk about it often that the kingdom is God's hope, fully realized in the world. And we see it so clearly sometimes that we can witness to it and live into it. Now, your kingdom come as it will be done here. Here as it will be in heaven. We see it, I think. When we treat people with dignity and respect, when we practice the hard work of peacemaking, I think we have a glimpse of the kingdom. When we pray and, and repay people with kindness, it's beautiful. When we're fed at this table, we say that's a foretaste of the feast to come, a kingdom come when all will be fed and every tear wiped away a beautiful reality the kingdom when we would see our neighbors even the super annoying ones as our brothers and sisters and boy howdy we would love them up and down just love them what a lovely thing to love your neighbors good bad or otherwise that's a hope right but practically speaking how do you do that Really? I mean, that's my big question. Christ is king, and we're to live as our king hopes, how the earth and God hopes the earth would treat one another, normal people. How do you expect normal people to live and love like that? You've seen the world we live in, right? There's this line I heard the other day. Cynicism is so simple because it has experience on its side right? And that's it. We have so much anger for one another because we have so much evidence and experience that being peaceful leads to being taken advantage of. You need to have a strong, powerful posture. There's so much evidence that our neighbors are fine, sure, but I'm not going to lend money to them. We have so much evidence that, um, you know, turning the other cheek sounds fine, but that could quite literally cost you your life. You have so much evidence. You can't hate people who hate you. You can't love people who hate you. You just have a hard time. How do you love people who anger you, who mean to do you harm? How do you live as Christ, the King, in his kingdom? Because if acting like Jesus, if being forced to act like Jesus and do those things is what the kingdom is, I don't have high hopes for our efforts. I just don't. However, I think that's, again, an issue with understanding what the kingdom is about what a kingdom is. And I think of kingdoms, I think of thrones, I think of power, I think of authority, I think of rules, systems, law, order, structures, obedience, in order to observe prosperity. When really that exposes, again, I just don't have a good culture of what a kingdom is. Because a kingdom, as it's being talked about by Jesus, is a way of life. It's a a way of seeing the world, a way of living in it. It's also a way of seeing ourselves as being a part of the same kingdom. It's a way of seeing ourselves. And I wondered, you know, maybe there's a fictional kingdom I know about from reading or something like Lord of the Rings to help you understand about these kings, but I don't think that's appropriate. I think there is, though, an example that might illuminate the culture of this kingdom of God, and what it might look like if Christ were our king. And I want to highlight this because this kingdom was very formative for me in my youth. Maybe it helped you. Maybe it helped your kids. Um, it just wasn't called a kingdom. It was called a neighborhood. Ooh. A neighborhood. Or maybe the neighborhood of make-believe. Yes. You know what I'm talking about. I'm sorry to be promoting a movie I haven't seen yet. Um A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, the Mr. Rogers movie comes out and people are saying lovely things about it. But personally, I recently had seen that documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor, that kind of chronicles his life. And I have to admit, it's been a good year for me with Mr. Rogers content, because I'm a very big fan of this guy. Big fan. Very formative, as I'm sure he was for many of you. But as I've gotten older, he's taken on so much meaning for me in terms of teaching me about this kind of culture. This neighborhood taught me so much. As I read about him now, the culture we see in the neighborhood as he describes it and shows it to us, it's defined in his opinion by an ethic of, what do you think? Love. Love. Love above all else. If we need to see a world, a culture that embodies the kind of love revealed in a crucified God, we wouldn't be too far off if we looked to the neighborhood really. He said in an interview once, love is at the root of everything. Everything. All learning, all parenting, all relationships in general, love, or the lack of it. And what we see and what we hear on our screens, they really do shape a part of what we become. So he had hoped for his time on screen, he would have an effect on people. And he said, I give an expression of care to each and every viewer, every child to let them know they are unique. And then I tell them, this day was made very special by you being you, just as you are. There's no one just like you, he'd say. And I like you, the way you are. In short, in his neighborhood In this kingdom, love reigns. You ever notice, watching Mr. Rogers, the first characteristic you get from this faithful neighbor in the neighborhood is unmerited favor? Central to the ethic of the neighborhood is grace. Love of all, just as they are. welcomed just as they are. That's grace. That's how the relationship starts. Heck, it's in the song. I've always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. Not future you. Not after you watch the show and you're better. No, you right now. I've always wanted this neighbor just as you are. That's grace. That's unearned, unmerited favor. So if we were to ask jesus how do you welcome a neighbor a stranger he'd go hey you might want to look to mr rogers because if you look to him the answer is how do you welcome a stranger holy warmly graciously and boy howdy with a lot of gratitude my daughter always talks about him the first comment she had in watching mr rogers was this guy says thank you so much (laughs) she says this was when i think she was like three she goes i've never met anyone who's so polite And I go, she thinks she's met him, you know? Talk about that effect of, I want them to know I know them. She figured she she knew him. (laughs) As you might know, uh, Mr. Rogers was a Presbyterian minister, which explains why so many of his values seem to sync up so well with Jesus. I mean, just as Jesus expresses in our story today this kind of limitless love, even for his enemies, As he asks God to forgive the ones who mean to do him harm, who mean to kill him. And then he promises these individuals, who presumably have committed terrible crimes to wind up on a cross or not, that you will be welcomed into paradise. Just like the neighborhood, every neighbor is worthy of love, forgiveness, a connection. Another na- element of the neighborhood, but especially probably in the neighborhood of make-believe, was this concept of being crushingly honest about your feelings. Your feelings mattered. Daniel Tiger, you know, the really sweet puppet, he would always, that, many people believe that's, that's Mr. Rogers' own just like childhood soul speaking through this little guy. He would regularly express his fears his sadness, his weakness, his anxiety. And Mr. Rogers, after that thing, that trolley would come back to the real world, he would say the same thing. That certain things break his heart. That things make him sad or scared. He wanted everyone to know that feelings mattered. And one of the ways that we live into a kingdom of God is imitating our king in Jesus who expresses vulnerability quite clearly as a God revealed on a cross. Think about that. In ancient times, if you wanted to conquer a nation and really destroy them, take their holy images of their God, and if you were to crucify one of those images, that would be a great way to completely destroy their concept of their powerful God. You'd say, look, your God has been killed. And there's our God, not just dying, but suffering lamenting why have you done this weeping Rogers would say people have deep feelings I always felt I had to speak to the hearts of people who hurt or fear and I made a plea to them to not leave one another isolated in these feelings especially children not to leave you isolated and at the mercy of their own fantasies of loss and destruction we have deep feelings, he said, children, parents, everybody. And our striving to understand those feelings and better, under, better respond to those feelings is what I feel is the most important task in our world. Folks, that is a clear ethic of living in a Jesus culture, living into the kingdom. Because in Christ on a cross we see a God that didn't leave us isolated but experienced our greatest fears with us and helps us to deal with it by revealing on the cross and in the empty tomb that folks, the worst thing that could possibly happen to you is never the last thing that will happen to you. The worst thing you will ever experience, Jesus knows the pain. He has been there. He feels it you know he feels it because he tells you he feels it and says tell me and in looking at a neighborhood ethic we are called to value those feelings as well especially the challenging ones and that means the kingdom ethic isn't just Pollyanna it's being honest that resurrection happens to dead things so you may be wondering at what point are you going to talk about Jesus more, you know, this is very Fred Rogers centric. Um you're right. Because any of you, if any of you are like me struggling regularly with how do you live out this faith? To call yourself a disciple of Jesus, wondering, is it really possible? Is this way of life really doable? How can I live like Jesus? How can I love like Jesus, serve like Jesus? How do I live in this world the way it is as a reflection of Christ's hope? Know this you are asking the exact same question as every disciple who came before you, including Mr. Rogers. That's good company. But you, just like them, have the exact same example it's our King, it's Jesus. It's the kingdom of God that's revealed in a God that loves you just as you are. A God that loves even your neighbor just as they are, loves them fully. And a God that listens, that knows what it means to hurt and fail, and knows that sometimes we are not at our best. And knows that doing this thing together is very important. That we need to help each other. Jesus had disciples. He had the people he did life with. He lived recognizing them as his friends, his family. And as a stranger, they are only neighbors. Living into a world where we share responsibility. Maybe that's the big difference between my concept of a kingdom of rule, order, maybe the better concept of kingdom of responsibility to one another a shared identity living together another Rogers quote that embodies that is he said it's easy to say it's not my child it's easy to say that's not my community it's easy to say that's not my world not my problem but then there are those who see the need and respond and I consider those people my heroes and I'll add to that saying for those who seek to live with Christ as their king in the reign of God in this kingdom ethic, value, culture, this neighborhood to live with Christ as your king we see and we respond with the words that's our child Our community. That's our neighborhood. That's our kingdom. That's our world. That's our neighbor. And Christ is our King. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Please browse our website for other opportunities to grow in faith or serve the Lord. If you are able to worship with
1: us at any time, we would be most honored by your presence.